So, Squirrel will say something about it. Yeah, sure. he will. He will. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the Aaron Studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It's good to have you with us. It is Monday, the 17th of October. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great day at church yesterday. Hope your NFL teams won like mine did. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, not having the best of seasons, but at least now we're batting 500. So I'll take that. I am an Atlanta Falcons fan, if anyone wonders. Um, interesting baseball playoff, not going at all the way I would have expected it to go. Having both Atlanta and, um, L.A. eliminated over the weekend. Really strange. Um, I didn't expect the Phillies to beat the Cardinals. I really didn't expect the Phillies to beat the Braves. So it's that's why they play the game, right? It's uh, it it's not shaping up the way it were. And was Houston eliminated? I'd have to go and look. I, it's just been bizarre. Maybe Houston's still in it. I don't know about New York either. I got to look at the scores today, but I, I did notice that uh, Atlanta and and uh, and that the Braves and the Dodgers were were eliminated, which really surprised me. Really surprised me. So we will have to see what happens the rest of the playoffs into the World Series because it's not turning out the way I thought it was going to. I I honestly was was looking at at a uh, a New York LA World Series, and that's not gonna happen right now. Um, so yeah, I right, I gotta look. I gotta see who all's in it. How are things going? We'll take just a minute. Call up the Major League Baseball app here on my phone, and look as it's loading. Postseason. Let's look at the bracket. All right, load the bracket. There we go. All right, so we've got the Phillies and the Padres are playing in the National League Championship. And we got Houston. Okay, Houston eliminated Seattle. And the series between Cleveland and New York is tied 2-2. So... We don't know how the American League Championship is going to shape out, but the National League Championship is the Phillies and the Padres. Wow. That just not at all what I expected. Not at all what I expected. So, yeah, that's baseball for you. You never can tell, right? All right, well, it is Monday the 17th, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to Major League Baseball. Uh, no, the podcast dedicated to the public reading of the scriptures, and secondarily to my thoughts on Major League Baseball. And we are reading through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible today. And, or today, <laughs> yes, we're going to read through the entire Bible today. Hope you didn't have anything planned. We're just going to start reading at Genesis 1-1 and go through Revelation. Uh, we are reading through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible translation this year, and we are beginning week number 42. Our scriptures today are Lamentations, Psalm 137, and 1 Peter 4. And then it's Monday, so we got some Monday meanderings, which don't have anything to do with baseball, although who knows, it might come up again. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, let's remind you before we begin that Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.org, check out all the great curated podcasts over there. You are sure to find something that is entertaining and enlightening, and you're guaranteed to find everything to be doctrinally sound. 
So let's begin, as is our, our habit, our practice. I guess practice is a better word than habit. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm. Sip of coffee, and now Lamentations chapter 1. How lonely sits the city that was great with people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. She weeps bitterly in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. She has none to comfort her among all her lovers. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and because of great slavery. She sits among the nations, but she has found no rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. The roads of Zion are in mourning because no one comes to the appointed times. All her gates are desolate, her priests are sighing, her virgins are grieving, and she herself is bitter. Her adversaries have become her masters, her enemies are complacent, for Yahweh has caused her grief. Because of the greatness of her transgressions, her infants have gone away as captives before the adversary. So all her majesty has gone out from the daughter of Zion. Her princes have become like deer. They have found no pasture, so they have fled without strength before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious things that were from days of old, when her people fell into the hand of adversaries, and no one helped her. The adversaries saw her. They laughed at her ruin. Jerusalem sinned greatly. Therefore, she has become an impure thing. All who honor her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Even she herself sighs and turns away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She did not remember her future. Therefore, she has gone down astonishingly. She has no comforter. See, O Yahweh, my affliction, for the enemy has magnified himself. The adversary has stretched out his hand over all her desirable things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, the ones whom you commanded, that they should not enter into your assembly. All her people are sighing, seeking bread. They have given their desirable things for food to restore their souls. See, O Yahweh, and look, for I am despised. It is nothing to all, who, all you who pass this way. Look and see if there is any pain like my pain, which was dealt severely to me, which Yahweh grieved me with on the day of his burning anger. From on high he sent fire into my bones, and it dominated them. He has spread a net for my feet. He has turned me back. He has made me desolate, faint all day long. The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand, they are knit together. They have come upon my neck, he has made me he has made my strength stumble. The Lord has given me into the hands of those against whom I am not able to stand. The Lord has rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He has called an appointed time against me to break my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. 
For these things I am weeping. My eyes run down with water, because far from me is a comforter, one who restores my soul. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands. There is no one to comfort her. Yahweh has commanded concerning Jacob that the ones round about him should be his adversaries. Jerusalem has become an impure thing among them. Yahweh is righteous, for I have rebelled against his command. Hear now, all peoples, and behold my pain. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders breathed their last in the city, while they sought food for themselves in order to restore their souls. See, O Yahweh, for I am in distress. My inmost being is greatly disturbed. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. In the street the sword bereaves, in the house it is like death. They have heard that I am sighing. There is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of the evil done to me. They rejoice that you have done it. You have brought the day which you have proclaimed so that they will become like me. Let all their evil come before you and deal severely with them as you have dealt severely with me for all my transgressions. For my groans are great and my heart is faint. Chapter 2 How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. He has cast from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel and has not remembered the footstool of his feet in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up. He has not spared all the, inhabit, all the habitations of Jacob. In his wrath, he has pulled down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has profaned the kingdom and its princes. In hot anger, he has cut in pieces all the strength of Israel. He has turned back his right hand from before the enemy, and he has burned in Jacob like a flaming fire devouring round about. He has bent his bow like an enemy and has set his right hand like an adversary and killed all that were desirable to the eye. In the tent of the daughter of Zion he has poured out his wrath like fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has brought its strongholds to ruin and multiplied in the daughter of Judah mourning and moaning. And he has violently treated his tabernacle like a garden, garden booth. He has brought his appointed meeting place to ruin. Yahweh has caused to be forgotten the appointed time and the Sabbath in Zion. And he has spurned king and priest in the indignation of his anger. The Lord has rejected his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of her palaces. They have made a noise in the house of Yahweh as in the day of an appointed time. Yahweh determined to bring to ruin the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not turned his hand back from swallowing up. And he has caused rampart and wall to mourn. They have languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her kings and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more. Also, her prophets find no vision from Yahweh. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground. They are silent. They have thrown up dust on their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem have bowed their heads down to the ground. My eyes fail because of tears. My inmost being is greatly disturbed. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughter of my people when infants and nursing babies faint in the open square of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is grain and wine? As they faint like a wounded man, in the open squares of the city, as their life is poured out on their mothers' bosoms. What shall I testify about you? To what shall I equate you, O daughter of Jerusalem? To what shall I liken you as I comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your destruction is as vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have beheld for you worthless and ineffective visions, and they have not uncovered your iniquity so as to return you from captivity, but they have beheld for you worthless and misleading oracles. All who pass along the way clap their hands in derision at you. They hiss and shake their heads as at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city of which they said, the perfection of beauty? 
the joy of the whole earth? All your enemies have opened their mouths wide against you. They hiss and gnash their teeth. They say, we have swallowed her up. Surely this is the day for which we have hoped. We have found it. We have seen it. Yahweh has done what he purposed. He has completed his word, which he commanded from days of old. He has pulled down without sparing, and he has caused the enemy to be glad over you. He has exalted the might of your adversaries. Their heart cried out to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let your tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief. Let your eyes not be still. Arise, cry aloud in the night. At the head of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the life of your infants who are faint because of hunger at the head of every street. See, O Yahweh, and look. With whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat their offspring, the infants who are born healthy? Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? On the ground in the streets lie young and old. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered, not sparing. You have called, as in the day of an appointed time, my terrors on every side. And there was no one who escaped or survived in the day of Yahweh's anger. Those whom I gave birth to and reared, my enemy consumed them. Chapter 3 I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with gall and hardship. Dark places he has made me inhabit, like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with cut stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He, had made, he has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I have become a laughingstock to all my people. Their music of mockery all the day. He has saturated me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten goodness. So I say my strength has perished, as well as my hopeful waiting for what comes from Yahweh. The Lord will not reject forever. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and gall. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I will return to my heart. Therefore, I will wait and hope. The loving kindness of Yahweh indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yahweh is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I wait for him. Yahweh is good to those who hope in him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of Yahweh. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent, since he has laid it to on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him. Let him be saturated with reproach. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness, for he does not afflict with his heart or grieve the sons of men. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land, to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in a legal case, these things the Lord does not see with approval. Who is there who speaks and it happens unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good go forth? Why should any living person or any man complain because of his sin? Let us search out and examine our ways, and let us return to Yahweh. We lift up our heart to our hands, towards God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled, 
You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have killed and have not spared. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us mere scum and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have befallen us. Devastation and destruction. My eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes pour down unceasingly without stopping until Yahweh looks down and sees from heaven. My eyes deal severely with my soul because of all the daughters of my city. My enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They have silenced my life in the pit and have placed a stone on me. Waters flowed over my head. I said I am cut off. I called on your name, O Yahweh, out of the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief, from my cry for help. You drew near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. O Yahweh, you have seen my oppression. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their proposed, all their all their proposes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Yahweh, all their purposes against me. The lips of those who rise against me in their whispering are against me all day long. Look on their sitting and their raise and their raising. I am their mocking song. You will recompense them, O Yahweh, according to the work of your hands. You will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of Yahweh. Chapter 4. How dark the gold has become. How the pure gold has changed. The sacred stones are poured out at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion weighed against fine gold. How they are regarded as earthen jars, the work of a potter's hand. Even jackals offer the breast. They nurse their young, but the daughter of my people has become cruel, like ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the nursing baby cleaves to the roof of its mouth because of thirst. The infant asks for bread, but no one breaks it for them. Those who ate delicacies are desolate on the streets. Those reared in crimson embrace ash pits. So the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the sin of Sodom, which was overthrown as in a moment, and no hands whirled toward her. Her Nazarites were purer than soul, snow. Excuse me. Her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than corals. Their polishing was like lapis lazuli. Their form is blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin is shriveled on their bones. It is withered. It has become like wood. Better are those pierced through with the sword than those pierced through with hunger, for their life flees away being stricken for lack of the produce of the field. The hands of compassionate woman boiled their own children. They became food for them because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Yahweh has spent his wrath. He has poured out his burning anger. He has kindled a fire in Zion, which was devoured in its, which has devoured its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the inhabitants of the world, that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who have shed in her midst the blood of the righteous. They wandered blind in the streets. They were defiled with blood so that no one could touch their garments. Depart, unclean, they cried of themselves. Depart, depart, do not touch. So they fled and wandered, men among the nations, saying, They shall not continue to sojourn with us. The presence of Yahweh has eradicated them. They will not continue to look at them. They did not honor the priests. They did not favor the elders. Yet our eyes were spent. Looking for help was vanity. In our watching we have watched for a nation that could not save. They hunted our steps so that we could not walk in our open squares. Our end drew near. Our days were finished, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles of the sky. They hotly pursued us in the mountains. They waited in ambush for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils 
the anointed of Yahweh, was captured in their pits, of whom we had said, Under his shadow we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughters of Eden, who inhabits the land of Uz. But the cup will pass on to you as well. You will become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity has come to an end, O daughter of Zion. He will exile you no longer, but he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. Chapter 5 Remember, O Yahweh, what has happened to us. Look and see our reproach. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our houses to foreigners. We have become orphans without a father. Our mothers are like widows. We drink our water by means of silver. Our wood comes to us at a price. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are worn out. There is no rest for us. We have given over our hands to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our fathers sinned. They are no more. It is we who have borne their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is no one to tear us away from their hand. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin has become as hot as an oven because of the burning heat of famine. They violated the women in Zion, the virgins in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung by their hands. Elders were not expected, not respected. Young men lifted up the stone at the grinding mill, and youths stumbled down under the loads of wood. Elders have ceased from being at the gate, young men from their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes are dim. Because of Mount Zion, which lies desolate, foxes walk about in it. You, O Yahweh, sit enthroned forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? Cause us to return to you, O Yahweh, that we may be returned. Renew our days as of old, even if you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. Now Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and also wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst of it we hung our lyres, for there our captives asked us about the words of a song, and our tormentors asked joyfully, saying, Sing for us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing a song of Yahweh in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget it, her skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth, if I do not remember you. If I do not exalt Jerusalem, above my chief joy. Remember, O Yahweh, against the sons of Edom, the days of Jerusalem, who said, Tear it down, tear it down to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one, how blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense with which you have recompensed us. How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your infants against the cliff. And now First Peter 4. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to no longer live the rest of the time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have worked out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, maligning you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For to this the gospel has, proclaimed, has been proclaimed even to those who are now dead, so that though they were judged in the flesh as men, they live in the Spirit according to the will of God. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound thinking and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Employ it 
in the serving of one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks as one speaking the oracles of God, whoever serves as one serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree you are sharing the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be put to shame, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God must entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing good. This is the word of the Lord. And now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, time for some Monday meandering. Well, first thing, yesterday a monumentous event took place, not a happy event. Twitter banned Phil Johnson. Phil Johnson tweeted about drag queen crossing guards and stated that it was simply more sexual grooming of children, and he's right. That's what it is. But this violated, according to Twitter, their community standards against violence. So, so calling sexual predators groomers of children is considered violence, according to Twitter. So... That's an interesting thing. And, and Phil has said that he will not delete the tweet because he will not admit that he violated the rules of Twitter because he didn't. If you read the rules of Twitter, he did not violate those rules. But for some reason, groomers don't, be, don't like being called groomers. They don't like having it pointed out that they are sexually grooming children. Kindergartners, first graders, elementary school kids should not be aware of the sex lives of their teachers. And honestly, at that age, really shouldn't be aware of sex at all. You know, as the you know, boys should know their boys and girls should know their girls, and they should each know that the other has cooties. And that's about the 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 level of knowledge they need on the subject at that age. They certainly don't need to be exposed to uh, graphic sexual materials at all. And it, last week I was talking to a fellow pastor about pornography and what a devastation it is 
on our society. It, it destroys marriages. It destroys lives. Um, in addition to the, the, the poor people who make it, uh, I've read articles by several ladies who had worked in the porn industry in their younger years about the, the drugs and the abuse that they suffered. And I always think being the father of a daughter and the grandfather of a granddaughter, I, I think, you know, these girls and, I mean, face it, by the time you're 25, your porn career is over because women are considered too old by that point. Um, and so these poor young women that get seduced into this, lured by money, lured by promises of fame and wealth and notoriety, they're, they're totally abused by this industry. And I always think that that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's granddaughter. That's somebody's little girl who's being degraded by some man she may have just met just for the purposes of making a film for money. It was a time it was outlawed. I wish that time would return. There's many, many aspects of morality that I wish would return to our society, and I pray for that. But that's not going to come through politics and elections. That's got to come through the work of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of sin and people turning in repentance to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Because that's the only way that that can be changed. But meanwhile, we, we hope that... Uh, so, and, and here's the thing. People aren't going through... You know, Twitter people are not going through Phil Johnson's tweets. In his typing of groomers, he actually used asterisks in place of the O's, which would mean that an algorithm or a computer wouldn't pick it up. No, what happened is Phil is big enough that degraded atheists look through his tweets looking for something to report. And this one got reported because calling groomers groomers is hate speech. This is why I no longer live stream on YouTube. Live stream. I do live stream on Twitter. Maybe this, maybe this episode will get me banned. If so be it. Yeah. The other thing is, and it's on the, along the same topics, I was watching yesterday afternoon, and it came up in my Twitter feed, some videos on the libs of TikTok um, face, uh, Twitter page. Libs of TikTok finds TikTok videos mainly from liberal teachers. And these teachers are espousing immorality and exalting in presenting immorality to their children, to the students in their classroom. And these, these teachers are sexual deviants. Now, when I was in elementary and, and junior high, we had no clue about the sex lives of our teachers. You may or may not know if they were married. Um, actually, you would because she'd be Miss Jones or Mrs. Jones, depending on her marital status. That was, I guess I was in, oh, late junior high before the MS, or late elementary school before the MS thing came around where women were no longer using Miss and Mrs. They were using Ms. and, and, denying any sexual uh, or denying any marital status in how they were addressed. And the purpose of that was that was feminism, pure and simple, because they were saying that a woman's marital status shouldn't marry, shouldn't matter in how she's treated publicly. And <clears throat> to an extent, I understand that to an extent that's true. But at the same time, 
you know, married women certainly shouldn't be afraid of being known as being married and uh, indeed should be known as being married. Um, but, and, uh, you know, single women, you know, didn't mind being known as single um, because it let unmarried men know that they were available. Um, I guess until they reach quote-unquote old maid status, which is silly. Um, I've known... I've known several young ladies who didn't get married until their, their mid to late 30s. They got married for the first time at that age, and they were quite happy. Um, they just waited for the right time. But I'm watching these TikTok videos from these teachers, and they're talking about what they're teaching their students, what they're, what they're presenting to their students. And like I said, it's sexual deviance. And... There was a time, not that long ago, when a sexual deviant teaching school would be unheard of. If a school board learned that a teacher was homosexual or lesbian or a swinger, quote-unquote, or some other, you know, sexually deviant behavior, that would be grounds for dismissal because such people were not allowed around children. And the fact that these sexual deviants are not only in the classroom, they're quite open about it, is again indication that this is wholesale grooming of children. This is wholesale sexual grooming of children, and it is, it's something worthy of weeping. Uh, we just read through Lamentations this morning, which was the prophet Jeremiah lamenting God's judgment falling upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their sin against God, the just wrath of God falling upon a nation, as was promised all the way back in Deuteronomy. God had promised that if they did not walk in his ways, that was what happened would be exactly what would happen. So they had known for hundreds of years what the penalty was for disobeying God. And so when that penalty fell on them, it was severe. But at the same time, Jeremiah the prophet, who had delivered the, the final warnings of judgment to come upon the nation. Jeremiah the prophet, at the same time that he knew the justice of God, he knew that this was the just punishment of God, he, knew, he also lamented what had happened to the land that he loved and the city that he loved. And that... I fear is going to be the cry of the heart of Christians in America in the not too distant future without a direct and awesome work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and minds of people across this country this country is facing the awful judgment of God I don't know what form that's going to take. Is it going to be simply a collapse from inside? Is it going to be foreign invasion? Is it going to be a combination of, the, of both? I, uh, I don't know. We already have people streaming unchecked across our southern border. It's, it's a, you know, we, and we have avowed enemies around the world, North Korea, China, Russia, you know, how soon will God's judgment fall upon this land for the wickedness that we see around us every day? Because it's coming. Just as it came upon Jerusalem in 586 BC, it's coming here. But don't know when.
but I know that God is holy and God is just. And therefore, I know that his wrath is going to fall upon this nation. If it doesn't fall on it between now and his coming, it will certainly fall upon our nation then. Because judgment is coming. Judgment on sin is coming. It is a sure thing. And it will come on America. Either now or at his coming. But some, somehow, somewhere, the judgment of God will fall on America. And American Christians, true born-again Christians will lament over what has happened to our nation. We already are lamenting over what happens to our nation. We're, we're, I mean, Romans 1 shows us that this sexual deviancy that is rampant in our nation like never before, this sexual deviancy is the judgment of God for the sin of America. Read Romans 1. The wrath of God is revealed in the sexual deviancy of our nation. The wrath of God is revealed in the immorality that is destroying our country. Not just our culture, but our country. And it's sad, and it is worthy of lament. Maybe it's good that we read Lamentations this morning. As I was getting ready for the show this morning, I was watching uh, the G3 panel that released this morning on YouTube, and I'm not through it yet. I'll go back to that after I uh, upload the audio and everything here on the podcast, but it was a pretty good Q&A. And they got talking about the fact that church services in general, have gotten shorter. There's less preaching. There's less proclamation of the word. There's less reading of the word. And there are less services. That that churches have abandoned Sunday night services. Churches have abandoned Wednesday night services. Many churches have nothing going on during the week. They have a Sunday morning worship service, and that's it. And at that service, you may or may not hear the gospel. And Daryl Harrison remembered growing up and being in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night every week, and I grew up that way. And it wasn't just that we were in church. Entire families were in church. Church was a family thing. And I I rejoice when I see families in church. But you know, I don't see the families I used to. Um... Mrs. Squirrel and I now are attending the church that I attended when I was in junior high and high school with my family. Dad was minister of music there. And we had a youth group of high school kids that exceeded 20 most most weeks. Now, there wasn't a Wednesday night service at the church, but we had a Sunday morning service and a Sunday evening service, and we went to both of them as a family, and I went to youth group um, during the week, and there were other programs. Now, praise God, our Awana has over 70 kids signed up, and or over 80 kids signed up, they said, and over 70 are in attendance every week. And our Awana program is looking for help. Um, I'm not volunteering because I know I'm not a little person, little kid guy. I'm great with junior high and high school. (laughs) Don't put me with little kids. You will will see me go go crazy. 
<laughs> that would not be a good thing. Because I'm, I'm great with a, with a little kid, you know, one or two little kids. I love being around one or two little kids. But giving me a room full of little kids, and I can't handle it. That's just my temperament. And I know that. we got to know our strengths and we got to know our weaknesses. And that's, that's not an area where I'm very good. So, no, I'm not volunteering to help with Awana. But at the same time, I, you know, I'm rejoicing that we have so many kids in Awana. But we don't have a lot of high school kids. We don't have a lot of young families in the church. We have a few. And, and you see, most of the, the kids that are in Awana, their families aren't in church. It's, it's an evening of free daycare. It's an afternoon when the parents don't have to worry about their kids. And they can do, run errands or do whatever they need. Because it's after school, from after school until like 6.37 at night. So it's, you know, an afternoon off for the parents so that they don't have to worry about their kids. And, but these are not families that are in the church. And if experience tells us anything... Awana doesn't get families into the church either. Now, praise God, these kids are learning scripture, and I'm not discounting that at all. But it would be better and more effectual if their families were in church on Sunday morning. Mom, dad, especially dad. You get the dad, you get the family. If you get the dad, you get the family. And we need more Christian men who will take their families to church, who worship with their families at home. The, the, this needs to be the culture that we instill in the families in our church. We need to go after men. We need to train up men. Strong Christian men create strong churches. And there's, there's nothing, you know, I'm not denigrating the faithful women who show up to church without their husbands. I'm down on the husbands who ought to be in church. And I'm kind of down on churches that aren't having Sunday morning and Sunday night services and, you know, Wednesday night services. And I'm attending a church that doesn't have a Sunday night service. And I wish we did. But that is the state of the church these days. There's less preaching. There's less teaching. There's, you know, I, I, I don't remember who, who I heard it from. But I heard somebody point out and it may have been Scott Annual or Josh Bice. It may have been one of the guys talking at this G3, just thinking about the Bible conference, because I've watched several of the videos, but I usually have them on in the background while I'm doing other stuff, and sometimes I hear things and I don't remember who said it. But I have heard it said that, you know, I've lost my train of thought. I'm telling you where I heard it, I lost what I heard. Um, but I, I, let me think, 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 take a sip of coffee. Ah, yes, I remember. There are families, and you know them, you've seen them, that reorganize their entire lives and perhaps even relocate so that their children will have sports opportunities. And they schedule their lives around their children's sports opportunities. Practice, games, camps, all of that, so that their kid can play a sport. Most of these kids, even with all of that, will not play past the high school level. They're not going to be 
NBA stars or NFL stars or any of that. Most of them are going to play high school ball, and that'll be the extent of their career. Yet their parents have ordered their entire lives around that child's sports activities. And I said, and sometimes the family will even relocate to, to foster these sports opportunities. Yet, nobody moves, very few people move, to get closer to a biblically sound church. Very few people order their families' lives around the solid teaching and preaching of God's word and the worship with the church. Think about that. Which one has eternal consequences? Most of these students, even with all of those advantages, are not going to play past the high school level because very few athletes move forward beyond the high school level. I've talked to friends. I had a friend that played pro football for a few years. He and I worked together at the sawmill in Bonner back when it was still up and running. And talking to him, he said, you know, he said, you, the, the step from high school to college football, he said, was huge because everybody on a high school or everybody on a college team was the star of his high school team. So even the lowest player on a college team was a star athlete in high school. So think about that, right? You look at, you know, look at your local high school football team and you have one or two stars and they're probably not good enough to play college. But everybody who plays college was an outstanding high school athlete. And then you step up to the pros. Every pro player was an outstanding college athlete. So the jump from high school to college, he said, was huge. He said the jump from college to the pros was even bigger. That it, it was shocking when he got there and realized, because he was one of the fastest guys in college at his level, and he gets to the pros and he's like, I wasn't as fast. He was used to running away from people. Now people were catching him, you know, and... So very few student athletes are going to make it beyond high school. But we're all going to be in eternity someday. We're either going to be in eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. What would be the better thing to relocate your family for? Your child's athletic endeavors? Or your child's Christian instruction? and your family's Christian instruction. So that's why I say go to church every Friday when I'm, when I'm ending the week. I'm telling you, go to church on Sunday. I, I say it every week because it's that important. You know, maybe we should all be like those parents of student-athletes, but in regards to church and relocate and order our lives around the solid teaching of God's Word. It's that important. And perhaps something like that would be the start of the movement of the Spirit that it would take to turn this nation around. I mean, we can't do it. It has to be a work of God. But we can certainly do our part in proclaiming the gospel and supporting with our presence and with our resources the solid teaching of God's Word. So, please, I pray, find a good, solid church that teaches the Bible faithfully, week in and week out, 
and tie yourself to it. Order your life around the activities of the church, not some traveling sports team. Yeah. Skip the sports stuff for church. Don't skip church for the sports stuff. It really is that important. And it would be a much better thing to do for your children than making it possible for them to be a better high school athlete because chances are that's as far as they're going to get. Just look at the odds. Now, you may have an exceptionally gifted athletic child who's going to be in the Olympics someday or is going to be a pro player. But even then, their soul is much more important. And I remember growing up, and, and talking about Daryl, talking about growing up, being in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Nobody outside of the church scheduled anything on Sundays or on Wednesday nights. You didn't have to worry about your kid missing a sporting event on a Wednesday night because there were none. You didn't have to, to worry about your kid missing a sporting event on a Sunday because there weren't any. I'm old enough to remember when, you know, not quite the beginning of NFL football, but back when it was relatively new. And there was actually people pointing out that playing football on Sunday was drawing people away from church and not allowing the players and coaches and staff to go to church or the, the staffing of the, of the football stadiums to go to church. And that, there was quite a bit of discussion about that. And at the time, there were people that lamented that. Nobody even thinks about it anymore. People mock Chick-fil-A for being closed on Sunday. Yet... There was a time. And I'm not a Sabbatarian. I'm not a legalist in regards to Sunday. I don't, you know, I don't object to going out to eat after church. I do it frequently. I don't object to, you know, sports on Sunday. Really, I'll come home and watch NFL football. I was watching the, the Falcons beat the 49ers yesterday. Watched it on replay because it took place when I was at church, but I watched it. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> but we can't order our lives around those things that have no eternal consequences. We need to order our lives around God's people and God's church and God's word. Because that is what's important. So we need to worship with the saints on Sunday. You know, maybe your church should have a Sunday night service. If it doesn't, have you talked to the elders? Have you talked to the pastor? Because it would be a good thing. Maybe your church should have a Wednesday night service. It's, it's an important thing. Is that I use the the, the Book of Common Prayer in my devotionals, we use it here on the podcast, reading prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. But the Book of Common Prayer lays out a service for every morning and every evening that in the old days took place in every church, every uh, Church of England church. Every morning and every evening. Morning prayer and evening prayer. And I'm sure there are still many parishes that do that. Um, but I don't know of any Episcopal churches in our area that do that. I don't think the Anglican Church in North America congregation in Missoula does morning and evening prayer every day. Where the church is open and the book is opened and the service is held every day. Not a bad idea. Start and end your day, not just in the Word, 
but worshiping with the saints. You know, have a morning and evening prayer service at your church. What an idea. What a concept. Where you have it early enough in the morning that people can come before they go to work. And then you have it late in the afternoon where people can come after work in the evening before dinner. Come to evening service and then go to, go home and have dinner. It, it, that'd be, you know, but at least Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, I, I believe churches need to get back to that. And the people in the church need to support it. The people in the church need to support it. All right. Well, that's my meanderings for this Monday. I wish you the very best of Mondays. Get your week started right. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. I'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Chatting. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.